a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah... Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people. On RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot. Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. It's the Tuesday night edition of the show, 7th of March. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig. How are you? I'm in a pretty good mood, and i got to tell people why. Okay. Folks, you know, we, we hook up on Skype about 20 minutes before showtime, okay? And we always talk about whatever. It, it doesn't really pertain much to the show uh, 99% of the time. And tonight, we had a recital of our favorite desserts. And it just put me in a good mood. Yeah, it put me in a good mood. You know, all all the all the desserts we like, what we don't care for, but mostly what we like. Right. And now I want a piece of key lime pie. (laughs) I want a piece of some sort of dessert, and I'm going to get some after the show because when my wife came home today, she brought me a little bit of of apple cobbler oh i like cobbler peach cobbler apple cobbler any of that but i don't eat that stuff very often i i don't either but when i get some oh i relish it oh it's good Mm. so that's my treat for after the show while i'm watching uh the curse of oak island oh you're still watching that huh Oh, I am so hooked on that show. It's unbelievable. And they are getting really, really close to finding the treasure buried on Oak Island. It's been down there for over 220 years. Wow. And a lot of people have tried to find it. And this, I think, is season 10 uh, of The Curse of Oak Island. And to me, it's fascinating because you get to see the entire process. And... What's different about these guys from your regular treasure hunters is they are as interested in the history as they are in finding the treasure. And I'm a history nut, so this is perfect for me. I just have a feeling it's not going to be much of a treasure. It might be artifacts. It's probably, you know, artifacts and things like that, but I don't think it's going to be much treasure-wise. I think it's going to be substantial. Well, you know, we'll see. A, a couple of seasons ago, they they finally got a scientist in there to test the water around where they think the treasure might be buried. 
And those tests came back showing a high degree of gold and silver in the water. That's, oh, okay. That's like a hundred and some odd feet below ground. And okay. they asked that scientist, are we talking about the possibility of a handful of gold or, or what amount of gold are we talking about, gold and silver? And that scientist said, it's more like a dump truck full. To get, to get that high of a concentration of it in the water, you would need like a dump truck full of it. Well, dump trucks don't have to be that big. You know, and, and I mean, I, I think they're getting awfully close. And I think this may be the season they actually find it. Uh, probably not, because then their ratings will go down. Well, but, but you know, it's... It's ten ten seasons in, and I don't know. I'm just I'm just speculating, but I'm I'm ha- I've had a blast over the past ten seasons watching this show because a lot of this, and this is something that you and I are very interested in. A lot of it is aiming toward the possibility of this uh, treasure having been buried by the Knights Templar. Yeah, that that would be the fascinating part for me. Um, the Knights Templar fascinate me, and not for religious reasons, because I'm not religious, but the whole order fascinates me. It, it, and it does me too. And so the more they find that relates to the Knights Templar, the more interested I get. Yeah. So yeah, tonight. I Tonight, after the show, it's Apple Cobbler and the Curse of Oak Island. And me, it's coffee, ice cream, and Star Trek. (laughs) Tonight on the show, Diane, you're talking about boots in action and domestic terrorist denial. Yes. Okay, that's, that's a mouthful, but there's a lot of information. Folks, I've had the sneak peek. Well, it's getting tremendous response. Well, good. I'm talking about Lori Lightfoot, Chicago's Nero. I call Lori Lightfoot Chicago's joke on its citizens. (laughs) Well, there's that too. (laughs) But let's get into quick hitters tonight because there's some interesting stuff going on. Apparently, there are horses in our ports. Yeah, and they go by the name of Trojan horses, guys. In other words, China's been spying on us with, of all things, cranes. And we're not talking about Sandhills cranes here, which is a migratory bird. We're talking about the cranes they use to load and unload ships in our nation's ports. Right, and they've been doing it for quite some time, and... I can't believe this was just discovered now. I think this had to be known and has been kept quiet. Now, what do you suppose they're learning by watching the goings-ons in our ports? Uh, They could be seeing defense weapons going in and out. They can see who we're trading with. There's a multitude of things that they can see. They can see the passenger lines. They... uh, it's unlimited, basically. They see all our trade, certain mili- military uh, 
weapons coming in, going out, where they're going, where they're coming in from. But what interests me about this, when this was announced either late yesterday or early today, what I found fascinating is later um, this afternoon, China made an announcement that we better stop what we're doing or oh. they will be at war with us. We had better stop. We had better stop what we're doing. Yes, we better stop. We better stop stopping from China from doing what they're doing. And this was on Fox, (laughs) folks. So this was not some conspiracy site. I heard this on, and I'm listening to it and going. Of course, they can say this, and of course, Joe Biden will go along with it because. He and his, you know, clan are in China's pocket and how desperately we need a new president. Well, they're owned. Kamala Harris. They're owned by China. Uh, The Biden, uh, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, uh, the Biden family crime syndicate. They're all beholding to China, you know, and I, I don't know. I mean... My guess is it's more than just the cranes in our ports um, because, you know, you can put cameras and that sort of thing on cranes and you can get weight based on, you know, what, you know, the amount that a crane is picking up. But you're not really going to see the manifesto, uh, you know, with a crane. It's not really that. They can somehow capture, you know, information about what we're shipping in and out of our country, especially to support our military operations around the world. And that's scary. Well, it is, you know. And it's weird, you know, Chinese spy balloons, now Chinese Mm -hmm. cranes. You know, they have satellites. I would think they could park a satellite over a port and get as much information from that as they can from a crane, but... You know, leave it to the Chinese to infiltrate in as many ways as possible. What bothers me is all this stuff is coming to a head under the Biden administration, the O-Biden, let us say, administration. And it's very scary now because whether people want to admit it to themselves or not, we are if not in a toned-down World War III, we're in a prelude leading up to it. Because China has inserted itself into the Ukraine, you know, the the war and Russia and everything. So here it is, they're spying on our ports so they could see which and what of our equipment is going overseas to Ukraine. That's not good. No, it's it's not good. And what's even, I guess, maybe dumber is the fact that China is now telling us to stop noticing that we're spying on you. Exactly. I mean, how weird is that? The whole thing is, the, uh, I think it was last night I put up a little one of those Facebook blocks and um, McCarthy, 
the Speaker of the House, was supposed to go over to Taiwan pretty soon and meet with the Taiwanese president. Well, all of a sudden now, he's going to meet with the president of Taiwan when he comes here on American soil. And when I heard the reason why, I basically wanted to throw something at the TV. Oh, we don't don't want to offend the Chinese. We don't want to escalate the situation anymore. So now we have Republicans also kowtowing to the Chinese. Folks, we're in bad shape. Our military is woke. A lot of our generals are he-she's, as we call them. I mean, how are we going to go up against China, let alone a Russian-China, you know, camaraderie. Well, uh, you you can't because you don't want to offend the enemy. That that's you know, I mean, that's just amazing. Here it is: Taiwan's our ally, and McCarthy should have gone there to show we do support you in Taiwan. Not say, well, I'll meet with him when he's here, and I don't want to hear this excuse. Oh, it saves the taxpayers' dollars of a flight over. B.S. I agree. I agree. Um, next up on the Quick Hitters, uh, we've got a George Soros back DA down in Texas, of all places, who is by and large ignoring a murder case that occurred two years ago. Now, as I understand it, in this murder case, um, a U.S. citizen was visiting Austin, Texas, celebrating because he had just gotten his master's degree. And he was in kind of an entertainment district in Austin, Texas, when two rival gangs decided to have a shootout. Well, a bunch of people got injured in this, and this one guy, this this one American, who I think was from Michigan, uh, worked for Ford Motor Company. Yeah. He, was. he got he got shot and died. Well, yeah. so this happened two years ago, and how many people have been arrested for this, Diane? How many people are facing charges for this? What's going on? I mean, first of all, it's it's ridiculous. The Travis County District Attorney, his name is Jose Garza, and he is actually funded by George Soros, and this case is two years old, and it's languishing in basically limbo because the case does not fit the political agenda that Garza and via Soros is pushing. But the bottom line with this is if it languishes much longer, the case is going to be thrown out. Well, I think it's probably in danger of being thrown out right now. It's close, but not yet. Now, what kind of cases is this Jose Garza working that that take precedence over this? Things that meet the Soros agenda, basically. Um, It doesn't fit the Soros progressive agenda. So I guess they're basically talking about, okay, you did this. All right, you get out of jail, go. It's no big deal. You know, that type of thing. Now, this guy, the the guy that got killed, his family is fit to be tied. As I understand it, they are P.O.'d. 
Yes. And rightly so, I think. I mean, their their son died, their brother died, and uh, nothing nothing is happening. Oh, and the person who was being charged with his murder is a Black Lives Matter rioter. Oh, well, now and that tells you a lot right there. The rioter actually posts, uh, um, pointed a gun and was caught on camera, and they have it, that he was pointing the gun at this guy that, that died. Okay, so there's really no question that the suspect did it. It's on camera. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the guy's a Black Lives Matter activist, so you you, you don't prosecute them. They, they've got a free pass, right? Right. Yeah, well, they can, they can pretty much seems. do whatever the hell they want, and, and they're not going to get prosecuted. So in a gang shootout, he inadvertently kills a bystander, somebody who had nothing to do with what was going on between these right. two gangs. And oh, well, I mean, that's that's really what it boils down to, right? Well, the case, the actual case that they're focusing more on instead of this case, right? This prosecutor, uh, also a Black Lives Matter, they're going after an army sergeant. His name is Daniel Perry. He's facing a murder charge for actually shooting a Black Lives Matter, Matter rioter who had also pointed a gun right at him. Okay, wait a minute. So this military guy is pretty much minding his own business when a Black Lives Matter protester points a gun directly at him, and he does what he's trained to do and what the Constitution tells us you can do. He defends himself and kills the guy who's pointing the gun at him, and he's getting prosecuted, but the guy that killed the bystander in the the gang shootout is not. Yeah, is not getting prosecuted. Exactly. Yeah, well, that tells you everything you need to know right there. But answer me a question. Why hasn't George Soros been deported from this country? I have no idea. I wish I knew the answer to that. You know who his good buddy was, Obama. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and and he's just raising havoc all over the place. He's part of the one that's funding the nonsense at the border. I mean, why is this man not deported as an enemy of the state? He should be. But like you said, he's buddies with Obama, so there you go. Yeah. You know? Um, Four Americans were kidnapped in Mexico. Two of them are now back on U.S. soil, the other two are dead. Right. What the hell's going on there? First of all, why anybody would go to Mexico right now, any American, is beyond me. Yeah, there are some safe ports. You go to Cozumel, you go on the the Pacific side with the Mexican Riviera and all that. Okay. But these people, it was four people, I believe they were some from South Carolina. They were going there to support one of the four who was having a tummy tuck. What? Yeah, it was a tummy tuck. 
Okay, so three other people went along as support or therapy puppies of some sort? Yeah, therapy puppies, I guess, you know, okay. with two legs instead of four. You can't get a tummy tuck in the U.S. anymore? Some people are... I, I don't get why some people would put their lives on the line for, for vanity, especially going down to a country like Mexico, which right now is not the cleanest, the best country in the world, folks. And instead of spending extra for good doctors here in this country, you go there to save some bucks. Oh, yeah, I guess you can get a tummy tuck in Mexico for a buck ninety-five, but I, I don't hardly think it's worth it. Did they drive down there by any chance? Do I believe know? they did. I believe they did. I, okay. I, I, I'm not positive of that, but I believe they did. Let me just issue a word of warning to morons everywhere. If you intend to go to Mexico... And let's say you're going, like Diane said, maybe to the Mexican Riviera, maybe to Puerto Vallarta, maybe to Cozumel. Um, take take a flight or take a cruise and go to those places. They're reasonably safe. Right now, mm-hmm. I can't say they're 100% safe, but they're reasonably safe. Right. But if you're driving into Mexico, bear in mind that right now, to get into Mexico, you've got to drive right through the Mexican drug cartels. And that's where this was. Um, this all happened in a city controlled by the cartels. Good things don't happen where the drug cartels are. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean this is, this is kind of like those idiots years ago who decided to go hiking in Iran and got oh, killed. Yeah. I mean, what the hell are you thinking? You can't find a place to hike in all of the U.S., and you have to go all the way to Iran to go for a walk? I know it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. But what was funny is two of these four people that went, they didn't want to go. They were afraid to go, and they went anyway. Well, because somebody needed support puppies. Yeah. You know, and I mean, we don't know yet, do we, that the the two that were killed, was one of them the tummy tuck candidate, or were they both support puppies? We don't know that, do we? No, no. One of them uh, was a younger brother of somebody, and um, they said that he really did not want to go, but went anyway. Well... <laughs> I'm sorry, but, it, you know, it's a terrible thing. You know, don't get sure. me wrong, but I have a hard time feeling sorry for people that do stupid things. I mean, this is kind of a Darwin Award winner. Well, you know what's what's even more pathetic? The FBI is offering a $50,000 reward for information leading to the arrests of the ones that right. killed the Americans. Fifty thousand dollars. So the drug dealers will offer them five hundred thousand not to turn them in. Fifty thousand dollars to the cartel is chump change. Exactly. 
I mean, that's pocket change to any high-ranking cartel member. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. People do not go to Mexico for something as stupid as cosmetic surgery. I don't think any American should go to Mexico right now and spend United States dollars in a country that is not doing anything to stop this influx of of illegals for the simple reason they have to go through Mexico to get to our border and Mexico is allowing it what the hell are we going there for anything well and and the border is completely controlled by the Mexican drug cartels so exactly don't drive through there i mean this is yeah. a common sense this is a no brainer yeah it, it well this is the biden administration this is you know welcome welcome to the new world folks yep finally in the quick hitters dr fauci's got some splaining to do oh dear it means i'm gonna have to do a 35th covid article (laughs) at least (laughs) some new revelations have come to light that he had a big part in squashing the whole covid lab uh originated uh bioweapon thing well you know what craig i know um two people that kind of said that almost from day one well yeah one of them's written 34 articles regarding it but (laughs) you know that notwithstanding you know this this you know new information keeps coming to light and how deep fauci had his hand in stopping not stopping covid but actually suppressing the truth about COVID, and this is yet another example of that. Well, you know, there's a very easy way, and the government can do this if they wanted, subpoena his bank records. Right. Find out where the money went. And and, nobody's doing that. Nobody's doing it. No, but they should, especially over in the House, because the House is now controlled by the good guys, that actually want to get to the bottom of all this. But, you know, we we already understand that Fauci was a key player in the research that was going on at the lab in Wuhan. With the gain-of-function, yes. Gain-of-function research. He tried to suppress that. He wanted to ignore that. Now we we guessed this all along, but now we have the actual proof that he tried to kill the story regarding the origin of COVID. But you know what, Craig? There's something even more important than this. Because of him and his lies, President Trump went ahead and rushed a vaccine to market without the much-needed years-long studies about the safety of anything someone's going to put into their body, especially, you know, um, one that affects one's DNA. And the left is trying to blame Trump for all the, you know, COVID deaths now that are happening, that are being traced back to the vaccine while Trump rushed it to market. He took the word of someone who took an oath to do no harm. Right, and then and violated he's done that oath. Tremendous harm. 
Well, and he continues to do tremendous harm because he keeps spreading the lies that he had no idea that this was going on. You know, the whole mask up lie, the whole uh, lockdown lie, the social distancing lies. I mean, lies upon lies upon lies. Folks, if you want to if you want a recital of all the lies, go to Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com. <laughs> click on the COVID button, and you can read 30-some-odd articles about it. Well, also my article tonight, I'm going to call Fauci what I believe he really is. All right. Folks, I'll tell you what, we've reached just about the bottom of the hour here. We've got a lot of show left to go. Diane, in about three minutes, is going to be talking about boots in action and domestic terrorist denial. And after that, shortly after the top of the hour, I'm talking about Lori Lightfoot, Chicago's Nero. So we've got a couple couple of big segments coming up. And uh, we're going to get to those here in just a couple of minutes, but we have to take that bottom of the hour break like we always do, get a couple of station IDs in, and when we come back, it's all on Diane Sori's shoulders. So stay with us. More Right Side Patriots after this. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, and if you miss any part of the show tonight, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow, click the podcast button, and become a pod person. Yep. All the shows, including this one, will be there waiting for you tomorrow morning. Right, sometime between 6 and 7. Yeah. 
So look forward to that. All right, Diane, so you took on kind of a myriad of things, uh, things that that we even talked a bit about in Mm -hmm. the quick hitters tonight, but you're going in-depth on some of this stuff, boots, inactions, and domestic terrorists' denial. Okay, let's start by saying people always say follow the money to get to the truth. But sometimes getting to the truth simply means adding up numbers while throwing anything but coincidences into the mix. And more times than not, the gullible amongst us still believe that the federal government tells we the people the truth. But in today's world, a constant remains in that the Biden administration will always try to divert our attention away from the two domestic wars, yes, wars, currently being fought here on American soil. And while most think of war as that which sees American boots on the ground fighting in a foreign country's war, know that boots come in many guises and refers to enemy boots as well. And said boots are now all around us, courtesy of the continuing bio-war still being fought with China and in a subliminal terrorist war with trains now replacing the proverbial boots. Now first to China. Since COVID-19 reared its ugly head back in late 2019, I have written and talked about how this claim to be accidental release was, in my opinion, no accident at all, except in that maybe it was released a bit too soon. And why did I discount the media spewed narrative about COVID-19 being accidentally released? Because to me, the narrative itself reeked from the beginning of having all the hallmarks of -of gain-of-function research. How so? With COVID-19 being derived from what was originally a naturally occurring bat virus, genetically engineered and manipulated, again in my opinion, into becoming a bioweapon of sorts, it most certainly met the definition of -of gain-of-function research, as in finding a way to transmit a designated pathogen in the fastest and most widespread manner, along with it having an optimum kill rate. Released first into the Chinese population in what I do believe was a test run of sorts as a means of controlling both China's population and its devastating effect on the Chinese economy, COVID-19 started spreading outwards from there, as in Wuhan province, killing, as I was writing this, 6,870,013 people worldwide. A global holocaust of sorts, still being somewhat ignored by many, as China has yet to officially be held responsible and called to task for both its release and spread. No apologies have been issued, lies continue to be told, denials from China abound, and the word transparency is deliberately being kept out of the public discourse. Now, Craig, domestic terrorism perpetrated on American citizens by U.S. government officials, as in Dr. Anthony Fauci and crew, who deliberately and with malice intended, not only fueled on the lies told, lies about COVID-19's origin and the steps needed to stop its spread, but doing so in an effort to change the outcome of an election, turn it in favor of a man in bed, with the very country that is ground zero 
for this what was a bioweapon attack. Okay, so as COVID began to spread, as it became known to the rest of the world, of course, it raised a lot of questions. But weren't those questions responded to with what really amounts to a pack of lies? Well, let's first say that the answers to those questions have been in plain sight all along. Unseen by many who were just too scared not to buy into the hype that the government officials were selling, the now proven to be lies regarding masks, vaccines, and boosters needed did nothing to help stop the spread of a bioweapon masquerading as a disease. And the calls by some of us for antidotes, not treatments, were simply being ignored. For antidotes in no way fit the government narrative about an illness that was never a true disease. Heaven forbid the truth came out and became part of the public discourse, for in doing so it would expose the very domestic terrorists hell-bent on bringing our country down, bringing her to her knees by a transforming the political road America was destined to be on with a Trump second term in office, and doing so via both a virus that was anything but, and a man named Dr. Anthony Fauci, who knew the truth all along. Simply, Dr. Fauci, in my opinion, is the very domestic terrorist whose boots on the ground help fuel the war between science, medicine, and common sense, resulting in, to date, 1,127,272 American deaths. And Fauci's weapon of terrorism used was, but his lies told, his truths withheld, and a president and media as corrupt and in China's pocket as he is. And to that effect, we now find FBI Director Christopher Wei saying that the COVID-19 virus and ensuing pandemic most likely started after Wuhan laboratory leak and that, quote, the FBI has for quite some time now assess that the origins of the pandemic are most likely a potential lab leak incident in Wuhan, end quote, as in said leak came from a Chinese government-controlled lab. And in ways saying what many of us have suspected since day one, one has to ask why it took him and his agency so long to reach what is an obvious conclusion. And while the Department of Energy has now also reached said conclusion, but labeling it what they call low confidence in nature, one is left wondering why both agencies continue to believe that COVID-19 was not the result of a biological warfare, especially, Craig, when gain-of-function research's main goal is to find new modes of biological warfare. Well, Diane, I can't figure out why in the world you didn't figure out that this came from a lab in Wuhan, China, given the fact that you've written over 30 articles about it. But Captain Obvious steps up to a microphone a week ago and says, yeah, we think maybe this came from a lab in Wuhan, China. With that, what has been Biden's response? Well, 
first let me say, with China and Russia actually being America's number one enemy, coupled with COVID-19 still posing a problem for some, albeit not being the scourge it once was, for even the most deadly biologic agents do dissipate over time, we find Joe Biden not even willing to entertain the truth about the origin of a deadly bioagent masquerading as a virus, a bioagent that has not only killed American citizens, but has disrupted our economy, wrecked havoc with our educational system, while still locking the masked fearful in their own homes. If that's not the hallmark of an aiding and abetting domestic terrorism, then I don't know what is. And Joe Biden, as well as Dr. Anthony Fauci, fit that bill to a T. And with the COVID war being both the Chinese boot on American soil, replete with boots also being worn by domestic-based terrorists and sellouts in high places, the second act of domestic terrorism, Craig, the second act of domestic war comes courtesy of the knowing but do nothing and incompetency of those charged with keeping America's railways not only up and running, but most importantly, safe. What? We have a problem with our railways? Well, I hadn't heard a word about it. You know, if you ask the people in East Palestine, Ohio, they probably mm-hmm. don't know what you're talking about. So, enlighten you know, us. The same, the same people that don't want Biden going there. Exactly. You have to remember that while safety must always be a prime concern, know that our rail system does remain one of the main drivers of America's economic growth. But upon a public, I should say built upon a public-private partnership, America's rail system is now, as it has been for a while, in a serious state of disrepair, primarily due to bottom-line profits trumping both passenger and freight safety. And while the Biden administration did include our rail system in his Build Back Better plan under the guise of being a second railroad revolution, what does remain missing in said plan is a much needed allotment of a good sum of monies for a long overdue overhaul of America's train tracks. Why so? Because Joe Biden's plan focuses on switching trains from diesel to electric, has to keep the climate chain loons happy after all, instead of those monies going into repairing the railroad's crumbling infrastructure, as in its tracks and trains themselves. So, with Biden appearing to make light of or simply ignoring the increasing number of train derailments now Um, happening, many toxic in nature know that many times more than not, these derailments did not have to be. If much needed maintenance regarding both the trains and the tracks had been diligently followed through, Craig, especially on a routine and continuing basis. You know, in your blog, you've got embedded a video of a train going down tracks that are in such bad shape that i swear to god biden who loves to ride the trains couldn't even drink from his sippy cup with both hands on it when i saw this video and i 
see the tracks before you, the video even starts going into motion. This is beyond a disgrace. I mean, I, th- that video is astounding. Okay, so given given what you've said up to this point about trains and tracks, where mm-hmm. does that leave us when it comes to taking care of what obviously has not been taken care of? Well, let's put it this way. A simple lack of rail maintenance might just be the root cause of the majority of derailments, with even that being a massed form of domestic terrorism. How so? When the president appoints someone to a government position, in this case transportation secretary, under which our rail system falls, a position he well knows said person is not qualified for, yet still appoints that person for but political appeasement alone, as in his appointee fills the requisite number of social agenda must be met boxes, not only is the president not addressing the problems at hand, but with said appointee being his proxy of sort, means that any problems that arise, especially those involving toxic spills and its lingering health and environmental aftermath, now rests squarely on the shoulders of Joe Biden and his joke of a transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg. And though and through incompetency alone, it took Secretary Buttigieg three weeks to even visit, let alone address, and very poorly address, I might add, the February 3rd toxic derailment and ensuing evacuation site in East Palestine, Palestine, Ohio, something I now call domestic terrorism, via his inactions, inactions that also include Biden's yet to even visit said site. And together, this signals to me that if one doesn't care enough about a given issue at hand, an issue involving the very health, safety, and welfare of American citizens, then by acts of omission alone, it willingly affords free reign to others out to do both bodily and tangible structural harm here in the U.S. And free reign is indeed the calling card of domestic terrorists, whether they harm, um, whether the harm they inflict, I should say, be courtesy of inactions or those with a simple grudge just itching to do harm, eco-terrorists in this name of protecting the environment via their derailing diesel-powered trains comes to mind, a remote possibility that cannot be ignored in regards to the currently increasing number of train derailments carrying toxic substances. But no matter whom the perpetrators are, whether the domestic terrorists be Joe Biden, Dr. Anthony Fauci, and his cohorts in China, Pete Buttigieg via incompetency, or even home-bred eco-terrorists, domestic terrorism, hence domestic war, remains that which is perpetrated on both we the people and our country at large. And by its very verbiage alone in regards to current train derailments and the targeting of U.S. citizens via acts of intimidation and coercion, think COVID-19, mask mandates, and the 2020 election here, the boots now being worn in both cases sadly do 
fit American feet. Case closed. You know, at the bottom of uh, Diane's blog this week, she also has a video of that East Palestine, Ohio train derailment, and it's the raw video. Right. It's not the ones that's been doctored over by the media and stuff, folks. Right. This, this is, is raw video. This is raw video, and so you get to see what actually happened uh, as it occurred. You know, right. incompetency breeds opportunity. And while Absolutely. we don't... Yeah, and while we don't know exactly who or what is responsible for the spate of train derailments and accidents over the past couple of years, you can't discount intentional acts by people up to no good. No, especially this one particular um, rail, railroad company, Southern... Um, What's yep. their full name? Southern something or other. They are having more than their fair share of these derailments. And I'm beginning to suspect that they are being targeted. Well, it really does make you wonder, you know, yeah. and th- there are several ways to cause a train to derail. And while I'm not going to get into how it's done, some of them are fairly simple. Right. Um, you know, and a lot of these trains are carrying oil. A lot of these trains are carrying hazardous materials of mm-hmm. one sort or another. Eco-terrorists have in the past done things that, you know, while they claim they're, they're doing things to save the environment, the things they actually do actually harm the environment. Well, you can also think of it this way. Like you said, a lot of the substances that are going up in flames, basically, are gasoline and petroleum products. And I know this sounds very strange, but I don't discount anything. Could our own people be causing them? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's entirely possible. I can't say for a fact that it's happening, right. but right. we've seen, uh, you know, these, these greeny weenies do some things you know, over the past that are decidedly dangerous to local ecological features. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as a way to say, well, look, see, this is so dangerous, you shouldn't be shipping these things. Well, I'm, I'm going to go even further. Remember, the railways are in the Build Back Better plan, Right. But in the sense, like I said, getting rid of diesel engines and replacing them with electric, solely electric-driven trains. And that leads me to believe our government might be in some way, I, I, I mean this particular government we have now, might be in some way involved in a little bit of this, maybe in the simple act of, rehold, of withholding monies from repairs needed, it, track it, replacement. Well, like you said, Diane, you can't really you can't really discount any possibility at this point. But let me ask you a question from which I expect no clear answer. Okay. <laughs> okay. If you go to electric trains. What happens when the train runs out of juice between, let's say, Poughkeepsie and 
uh, southern Vermont. What, what do you do with a train that's sitting on the tracks that the battery dies? What do you do? Well, I guess you have to send, you know, down the opposite track. You know, one track goes one way, one track goes another way. Most In most cases, you'd have to shut that other track down, send a train there with an extra battery, or somehow find a way to get to that train on foot with an extra battery. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, how do you know? Ridiculous. You, you think about the amount of weight that a train is pulling. Okay. Now, let, let's say you got one of those new electric pickup trucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. At best, if you're not towing a trailer, if you don't have the bed of the pickup truck loaded with stuff, let's say at best you can get, what, 200, 250 miles before you have to plug the damn thing back in. Yeah. Okay, so think of your average train, nearly a mile long. Think of right. the weight that that thing is is pulling. Okay, my guess is an electric engine on a train like that is actually going to pull that train maybe 10 miles. It. You'd be surprised. I've seen... A few of those electric engines here in in Florida, they don't, you know, a, a start here, but they they're here either bringing stuff or taking stuff out. I've seen a few, and you'd be surprised. Some of them, for a short span of time, they can go pretty fast. But they cannot mo- maintain that momentum of fastness. That, that's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. you, you put a couple of diesel engines out front of a train, they can go all day and all night. Okay? You, you know, you put, you know, battery power on those things, they can go all hour. <laughs> I mean, there's a difference. And... You know, the the reason we ship so much stuff by rail is that it's cheap. Okay, you know, for the cost of a little bit of diesel, you can move a tremendous amount of goods over long stretches. I can't imagine shipping oil and petroleum products by air. To me, that's a little scary. Well, but see, that's, that's the thing. If they go to electric trains, they're not going to be shipping coal or or petroleum right. products because oh, you know, we can't use that anymore. But nonetheless, if if you see a train, you know, with those double stack containers, on right? It, okay, that's all full of hard goods. Okay, that's that's not petroleum. That's not right. uh, you know coal. Those are those are hard goods. Okay, that that train weighs a bazillion pounds. How about the refrigerated trucks? Right. I mean, uh, cars that transport foodstuffs that need to be kept cold. And suddenly your electric, you know, battery dies. What are you going to lose? Millions and millions and millions of dollars of food that rots? Well, that's that's another good thing, uh, you know, to bring up. How do you power the refrigerated cars right electric you know what it is craig it's not that battery powered 
whatevers is a terrible idea. The problem is it's a terrible idea now. We don't have the technology for it to be in place the correct way. And I don't think we're going to have that for a long, long time. Remember, when it, when your Tesla needs to be recharged, you're talking 12 to 24 hours to recharge a car. That's not how electric power should work. No. And, and yet that's at the point we are now. We're not ready for it. And I don't think we're going to be really ready for any kind of a, electric main structure for a century or more. You know, over where are we going to get the lithium from the batteries? What, China, from China, the biggest lithium producer in the yeah. world. Right. I mean, this right. stuff has not been thought through. No. And, you know, last weekend I had a, a road trip. Okay. It was four and a half hours there. It was four and a half hours back. And on my way back, I thought, you know, if I was driving an electric vehicle, I'd be screwed right now right. because yes, you would. in my part of the world on, on this trip, I never saw one station where you could plug in an electric vehicle to recharge it. Not one. I got news for you. Even in fully, you know, metropolitan type states, you can't find them. Now, I'm sure in Omaha, you know, where I went, they've probably got a few stations there. Okay, but A, I'd have to get there, and B, I'd have to get back to even charge a car while I'm there. How and, about you got to spend hours charging the thing? You know, it's it's crazy. You it's know, it's not ready. If, the technology if, is not ready, folks. If you go to Diane's blog right now, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, you can get the link to this article that we're discussing: boots in action and domestic terrorists' denial. Okay, and you can share it everywhere, and we hope you do. But when you do, make sure you watch the video of the shaky train tracks. And then then tell me we have the infrastructure to run electric trains. We don't. I mean, if we can't even straighten the tracks, how in the hell are we going to maintain electric trains? Right. Yeah, electric trains, I'll tell you what they're really good for. They're really good for Christmas morning around the Christmas tree. Yeah, the little mini ones. <laughs> yep. Outside of that, they ain't worth squat. No, they're not. No, they're All not. All right, folks, we've hit the top of the hour. That means we got to take another quick break. Go to Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com. Grab this article, grab the link, read it for yourself, watch the videos, and share the link everywhere you can. With that in mind, we'll take the break, and when we come back, I'm talking about Lori Lightfoot, Chicago's Nero. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. Hi, guys. Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's longtime Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. 
On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. If you miss any part of the show, go to RSPRadio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, and have at it. Mm-hmm. All right, so last week there was news, breaking news coming out of Chicago. Not that it caught a whole lot of us a great deal by surprise, but there are some interesting aspects to it. Lori Lightfoot, Chicago's Nero. Now, just a day before Chicago's mayoral election, Lori Lightfoot went off on Time Magazine for not giving her the same boost they once gave Rahm Emanuel. Lightfoot played the race card, which is what elected black officials do when things aren't going their way. According to the soon-to-be ex-mayor of the Windy City, quote, I remember Rahm Emanuel appearing on the cover of Time Magazine. The headline was basically like, Tough guy for Chicago. No woman or woman of color is ever going to get that headline, unquote. Lightfoot claimed that she had been judged harshly as a black woman. Interesting. In making that statement, Lightfoot admits that she should have been judged on the basis of the color of her skin rather than on the content of her character and essentially What she said was that because of the color of her skin, the bar should have been set lower with regard to expectations. In other words, less should have been expected of her because she's black. Now that's crap, and no self-respecting black person should agree with her. Somehow, fittingly, on the last day of this year's Black History Month, Lori Lightfoot lost her bid for re-election as Chicago's mayor, and it wasn't even close. Lightfoot 
came in a distant third in the race, and with nobody hauling in at least 50% of the votes, a runoff election will be held between the two top candidates on April 4th. So, how bad was it for the worst mayor in the history of Chicago? Well, she became the first mayor there to lose a bid for re-election in 40 years, and a full 84% of Chicago voters voted for somebody else. Lightfoot only garnered 16% of the votes. Diane, while there is certainly interesting conclusions which can be drawn regarding the city of Chicago, I believe this might turn out to be a bellwether election for blue states and blue cities across the nation. Well, you know, Lori Lightfoot could bitch and complain all she wants about the color of her skin stopping her, you know, from being heralded, if you will. It has nothing to do with that. Lori Lightfoot is a disaster because of the statistics that have been going on in Chicago while she has been their mayor. Oh, and and I think disaster might be an understatement. Yeah. You know, in Chicago, a deep blue city and a deep blue state, Lori Lightfoot, a liberal's liberal, embraced every liberal woke agenda item that came her way and was an unmitigated disaster. Under her watch, crime rates soared, murders soared, shootings soared, and black-on-black crime went through the roof. Chicago became one of the most violent cities in America, outpacing New York City and other cities with similar political breakdowns. Lightfoots hate the cops and go light on crime policies wreaked havoc on the streets of her city up to the point that not even Democrats or liberals feel safe leaving their homes. And while her city figuratively and literally burned, what did Lori Lightfoot do about it? Nothing. Let's look at some of the basic crime numbers for Chicago under Lightfoot's reign of terror. In 2021, Chicago under Lightfoot recorded better than 800 murders, the most in the past 25 years. In 2022, that number dropped to 625, and while Lightfoot tried to convince people that her policies were working, that number was still 40% above where it was when Lightfoot was elected in 2019. In 2022, better than 20,000 cases of theft were reported in Chicago, double the number from the year before. In the first three weeks of this year, crime rates in Chicago were up 61% over the same time in 2022. That's staggering. And it stands as proof positive that Lightfoot's policies were decidedly not working and instead driving crime in her city. Back in May of 2021, Lightfoot went unchallenged by the mainstream media when she went full-bore racist in saying that she would only grant one-on-one interviews with people of color. Diane, at the time, Lightfoot said, quote, diversity and inclusion is imperative across all institutions, including media. In order to progress, we must change. This is exactly why I'm being intentional about prioritizing media requests from POC, people of color, 
reporters on the occasion of the two-year anniversary of my inauguration as mayor of this great city, unquote. Well, I kind of think Lightfoot knew even back then that she was going to be a one-term mayor of the city. She uh, she made a lot of bad judgment calls, including some involving the media themselves. Well, I agree with you. Look, I, I think, too, that at that point, Lightfoot knew she was floundering as the mayor as her decision to only grant interviews to journalists of color came after the Summer of Love riots had brought even more hardship, misery, violence, and crime to her city due to the fact that she embraced the anti-cop rhetoric and defund the police agenda. Now, I believe that it, it, it was her intent to stave off tough questions regarding her performance in the mayor's office by hoping that journalists of color would cut her some slack, essentially lowering the bar based on the color of her skin. Then there was Lightfoot's 2021 COVID mandates in which she forced police to either get fully vaxxed, get tested weekly, or get fired. Lightfoot also mandated stay-at-home policies in November of 2020 and was then forced to defend herself after she posted videos of herself at a crowded election night party. Hypocrisy, anybody? All of this and more set the stage for Lightfoot's resounding defeat last week, but will it have ramifications on a broader scale? In California, thanks in large part to the same woke liberal policies embraced by Lightfoot in Chicago, people are fleeing that state for redder and freer pastures elsewhere, and they're taking their money with them. The resulting loss of taxpayer dollars is going to have a far-reaching impact, meaning that California will have to cut spending, which they're not likely to do because liberals never cut spending, or they'll have to jack up taxes. How many Democrats in California are going to be willing to pay even higher taxes in their state and in their cities within their state and suffer the issues that Calif- or that Chicago has under Lightfoot? Diane, New Yorkers are fleeing their blue state and their blue city issues by moving to the free state of Florida as crime conditions in the Big Apple skyrocket and safety concerns mount. Well, you know, yeah, they're coming here to Florida, but we uh, have kind of a warning for these people. Our crime rate is now at the lowest it's been in 50 years, thanks to the policies of Governor DeSantis. And you're welcome to move to Florida, but leave your liberal crap and your liberal politics behind. Otherwise, we really don't want you here. <laughs> good, good thinking. <laughs> no. Look, over in Blue Oregon, several counties are now seriously looking at the prospect of changing their state's borders to become part of Red Idaho due to liberal policies affecting their economy negatively, while soft-on-crime policies create dangerous living conditions in Oregon. How much longer will Democrat voters in so many blue cities and blue states continue to embrace the politicians who embrace the policies 
that are driving their cities and states to the brink of disaster. Only time will tell, but as blue cities and states crumble, voters are faced with dire consequences unless they do what Chicago voters did last week. Sure, Chicago will still have a Democrat mayor after the April 4th runoff election, but the odds-on favorite, Paul Vallis, has campaigned on putting more police on the streets of Chicago, and he's referred to Lightfoot's COVID policies as draconian at best. Vallis is also campaigning on a tough-on-crime agenda in a city where the primary concern among voters has been the sharp increase in crime stats under Lightfoot. In Chicago, simply trading, or I should say is Chicago, simply trading one weapons-grade idiot for another? Well, let's hope not, because Chicagoans simply don't have the luxury of time to wait and see, as their city is already in freefall. Last week, on the morning after her crushing defeat, Lightfoot was asked what went wrong, and her response, while bone-crushingly stupid, was nonetheless typical. Diane, when asked by reporters, and no, we have no idea whether any of those reporters were white, whether or not she was treated unfairly during her campaign, she responded, and I quote, I'm a black woman in America, of course. Lightfoot also said, and again I quote, I'm a black woman. Let's not forget, certain folks, frankly, don't support us in leadership roles, unquote. Well, you know what? More important than all her bloviations, I'm a black woman, I'm this, no one supports, blah, 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 blah. Her policies stunk. (laughs) There's no other way to say it. They stunk uphill and upwind. Yes. Yes, they did. Lori Lightfoot never met a woke agenda policy she didn't like. She invested millions in the Department of Climate and Environment Equity, removed statues of Christopher Columbus, and ordered cops not to chase criminals on foot. As crime soared 61% over the previous year, Lightfoot stood there last Tuesday and claimed to be proud of lowering crime in Chicago. That was amazing. That that was astounding to me. Yes. After shutting down small businesses in her city, including barber shops, <coughs> Lori Lightfoot went to a barber shop for a haircut. Not that hypocrisy matters, a happy damn to liberals, but she explained why the rules didn't apply to her. Because she said, I needed a haircut, and because I'm the public face of the city, I got a haircut. Well, no wonder things in Chicago have gone so ugly over the past four years. And while her city descended into a wave of violent crime, what did Lori Lightfoot do? (laughs) Well, let's just say she danced, and we've seen it before. Nero fiddled while Rome burned, and Lightfoot danced while Chicago streets went red with blood. Diane, I just don't think she gets it. No, the problem is it has to do with the people who supported her. They didn't support her for the right reasons, 
they supported her to continue on with a liberal agenda that just doesn't work. Well, it came back to bite them in the butt with crime figures going up, etc. And you know what? The people of Chicago better think twice about who they're voting for because the guy against Vallis, or I think that's how you pronounce his name, right. he's just a male version of Lori Lightfoot. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Look, the same people who voted for Lightfoot in 2019, the same people who supported her in a leadership role in 2019, did not support her in a leadership role in 2023. Not because of the color of her skin, but because of the content of her character. They voted overwhelmingly for others last week because her policies are directly destroying her city, and she just doesn't get it. Last right. Tuesday night, on election night, when it became blindingly clear that Lightfoot was finished, she said, quote, Regardless of tonight's outcome, we fought the right fights, and we put this city on a better path, unquote. I mean, holy crap. It's obvious the woman does not own a mirror, but her total and complete lack of self-awareness is unbelievably staggering. Lori Lightfoot was probably the worst modern-day mayor that Chicago has ever had. All I can say is I hope this woman is done with politics because she is a disaster. It's not just her policies, it's her entire persona is a disaster. You don't go around looking like she looks if you're a public figure. You don't act like she acts. You don't bring, how should I say, Lori Lightfoot is one of those people that the first thing she thinks of when she wakes up in the morning is the color of her skin, and it's the last thing she thinks of before she goes to bed. Nothing else matters in her world except the color of her skin. How the people in Chicago ever voted for this disaster is beyond me. Well, they, they voted for her because she's a liberal's liberal. And she went out there and told him, I'm going to save the city of Chicago. I'm going to make your lives better. She made everybody's life in Chicago worse, but that's what they always do. And, you know, liberals yeah. get elected. They, they swear to God they're going to fix all the problems and fill all the potholes and, and put a chicken in every pot. And, and then they do just the opposite. You know, because. Well, 16% proved it. Well, yeah. I mean, you think of that. Now, yes, it was a crowded field. Okay, but she's the first mayor of Chicago in 40 years to run for re-election and lose. That's, that's an incredible thing, okay? Yeah. And when you consider that 84% of Chicago's voters voted for somebody other than her, that too is incredible. Now, that right. means she can't blame her loss on white people. No. No. Yeah, well, she can blame it, but it would just be one of the many lies. But that's but that's the stock and trade of liberal politicians. Right. Nothing that goes wrong is ever their fault. Never. 
never, 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 never their fault. You know, and that's that's what we're seeing here. That's what we've seen with Lori Lightfoot. Now, I agree with you. I hope she's done in politics. I hope she never, ever gets anything in politics again. However, I know. I suspect that she will run for a seat in Congress. And get elected, probably. You know, based on her stellar work as the Mm -hmm. governor, or I mean as the uh, mayor of Chicago. Or uh, should a Democrat win in the White House, I'll bet you she'll be all lined up waiting for an appointment. Now, the last time a Democrat appointed a mayor to a cabinet position, it was Biden and Mayor Pete. Right. Okay, Mayor Pete couldn't even fill the potholes in South Bend, Indiana. Now he's right. the transportation secretary. You know what I think of in my head every time I think of Mayor Pete? That stupid picture of him with the phony breasts on <laughs> pretending to breastfeed. I, I, there's something that is gone so wrong. It could have been worse. Those could have been triple Z. Oh, that's true. That's that idiot. I mean, this country. <laughs> could have been worse. When you think of people like Lori Lightfoot, when you think of Buttigieg, if, and you think of, of that crazy admiral, that that uh, Rachel whatever. Rachel Levine. Levine. What the hell has happened to this country? Well, seriously, I mean, it's like it's like you said, you know, in in, you know, your segment tonight, certain people check off all the social boxes. Right. Okay. Pete Buttigieg is one of those people. So is Lori Lightfoot. She's black. She's a female and she's a lesbian. She checks off three major social influence boxes yeah you know social (laughs) the way somebody is socially social being is more important than the content of your character than your education your qualifications everything just gets checked off by boxes you know for years and years and years and i mean decades and decades in chicago Voters there were accustomed to Chicago politics. Right. Okay. And Chicago politics had a long history of being corrupt. Yes. All right. Mayors were corrupt. Appointees were corrupt. Uh, you know, aldermen were corrupt. This, that. I bet you know. she was corrupt too, to some degree. But there's a big difference between being corrupt and being bone crushingly incompetent. Well, Lightfoot and Buttigieg both fit that uh, criteria. Yeah, you're you're one hundred percent correct. You know, I mean, all she thought she had to do was follow the liberal line, embrace every woke agenda policy that came along, and everything would be fine. You know, Chicago's full of liberals. It's deep blue. You know, if I do everything the liberal agenda tells me to do, I'll easily get reelected. That's what she thought. Well, she found out that people are more concerned about being safe when they walk out their front door than they are about 
the social issues? Well, you know what? All I can say is the the one candidate, the black candidate that's running against the guy that supports the police, if you vote for him just because of the color of his skin, then you deserve everything that's going to happen because he is Laurie Lightfoot as a man. Laurie Lightfoot is Laurie Lightfoot as a man. <laughs> Have you seen the pictures of that? Holy. I Look, know. Paul Vallis is is a Democrat, okay? Right. He's he's leading right now. Um, the, the runoff election is in less than a month. It's on April 4th. He is something like 15 or 20 points ahead, okay? Um, he's running as a tough-on-crime, put-more-cops-on-the-street guy. Now, right. will he he's actually— He's a moderate Democrat. Yeah, well, at least he purports to be. The question right. is, will he do it? Okay, remember, Eric Adams in New York City ran on the very similar platform as an ex-police officer himself. Okay, and he got elected in New York City, and people thought, well, finally, maybe something's going to happen. Maybe, maybe we will get more cops. Maybe he'll back the cops. You know, I mean, uh, that blooming idiot they had as a mayor before Eric Adams, uh, he wasn't backing the cops. Mm-hmm. But uh, but they thought, well, you know, maybe Eric Adams can start to turn things around because he's a, he's a former police officer. He ran on a get-tough-on-crime thing. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. He's still backing the light-on-crime agenda. So will Vallis do what he says he's going to do, or will he just be another weapons-grade idiot? We don't know. We won't know until he's the mayor and starts doing things. I have a feeling he'll be, I'm I'm not saying he's going to be great, but I've listened to a few of the things he has said, and he seems, I hate to say this, but he seems more like a mansion-type Democrat. Well, I hope he is. Yeah. I I hope he's got some common sense. And by the way, Joe Manchin has not ruled out running for president. He's waiting to see who else throws their hat in their ring against Biden. I don't think Manchin's going to run. I, I really don't. I think he's going to retire. He, I, doesn't, I, he didn't seem that way in an interview he did uh, the other night. I know. He's a hard guy to read. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of politicians, you can read them pretty well. You know, I mean, I guarantee you Ron DeSantis is going to run. Well, he but, gave a hell of a state of the state of Florida address today. Well, I, you know, I'm just saying, but Manchin, he's hard to read. So yeah. we don't know what's going to happen there. Look, you can get my commentary by going two places. You can go to thenationalpatriot.com or you can go to rspradio1.com. Diane's commentary is available at thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com or rspradio1.com. You can go easily, go to rspradio1.com. You can get the link to Diane's op-ed. You can get the link to my commentary. And we hope you share those everywhere. Now, with that said, and we got a couple of minutes left, Diane, what are you going to cover for next Tuesday? Something very different than what I've been doing. There's 
some issues going on in my hometown right now. And they have ramifications, not just in my town, but in other areas as well. So I'm kind of going to bring light. No names are mentioned. I don't even mention my town. And if you go to my Facebook thing, I'm a suburb of a city, but you don't know what suburb it is. You might see the words Fort Lauderdale, but that's not the city that this is. this article is about. But I thought we're engaged in a fight trying to stop something from being built here. And I did it under the premise, if they get away with it here, it's going to come to other small cities very soon. Well, it's kind of a blueprint for how to keep these things from happening. So it's generic enough that it could be applied to any city. It could be applied to any city, and I make that very clear. Okay. But I just used my city as, I should, it's really a town, but my city as, as an example of what could be happening in other cities across this country. And I do have a way to stop it in there. Okay. So like I said, it's the blueprint. Right. That, a All blueprint right. is, a good, is a good way to say it. All right. Next week, I am discussing the January 6th debacle. Okay, it's all is a debacle. It's all over the news right now because Tucker Carlson last night and tonight is airing a lot of the the video that liberals never wanted the American public to see. Yeah, well, I know two people who actually said what. Carlson has been saying and said it two years ago. Well, I, I do too, but I mean, let's let's face the reality of the situation here in the couple seconds we have left. When we said what we said two years ago, we were basing it on educated speculation. Carlson right. has been saying the same thing. What's different now is that we actually have the videotape that the liberals refuse to let out into the public domain. So now we have the actual proof. Yes. Yeah, that's that's the difference. But with that, Diane, you and I have run out of time. And with that, see you all on Friday, or you'll hear us all on Friday, nighty-night. Good night, everybody. Have a great rest of the week. We'll catch up again on Friday. Bye-bye.